Our homegirl Skestily is in Whistler at a luxury luxury chalet currently living her best life or either has a horrible hangover. I'm not sure which, but I will find out soon. But tonight we have a special guest host with us from the Twitterverse. Um, her name is Mook. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, it's me, um, Mookie, a.k.a. Jughead Jumping. Yes, so I have always been tweeting back and forth with you throughout this series and kind of um, chatting um, through Twitter, chatting via DMs about this show. (laughs) And so when we had an opening, I'm like, I know exactly who I need to ask. And you were so kind. So I have to say thank you for joining me. It would have been horrible to have like an hour-long monologue of talking to myself about the show. It probably would have been great, but thank you for asking me. Thank you for asking. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, when we did um, our first podcast, we talked a little bit about our history with Archie's comics. So mm-hmm. how did you get introduced to it? Do you still love it? Let us know. <laughs> um, I super duper love Archie. Um, I've been reading Archie comics for basically as long as I can remember. Um, when I was a wee little sprout, my mother used to buy me Archie comics when I would go to the optometrist. Um, (laughs) so like back in the late eighties and early nineties, because I've been wearing glasses ever since I was really small. Um, she used to buy me Archie comics. I cannot remember a time when I did not read Archie comics, um, as a child, and my cousins also loved them, and we used to trade the Double Digest. Um, one of my biggest heartbreaks of my youth was when my uncle threw out oh. my Double Digest at my cousin's house and did not realize she had borrowed many, many of mine. I was so hurt. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like gasping. I, I still get sad about that to this day. <laughs> oh, it's so frightening. Oh. It's so distressing. Um, but yeah, I always read them as a kid, and of course, there was there was I guess maybe through like high school and college, I didn't really read them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I actually started reading them again. Um, and the new Mark Wade and Fiona Staples Archie comics, I've been reading uh, Chip Starsky, Jughead, all of that. Um, yeah, I really I love Archie. I was so excited to hear about Riverdale being made. <laughs> Yeah, so was I. That's how I found Brothers Comics because I, you know, I kept seeing, you know, stuff on Twitter about Riverdale, and then I saw something about it about there being a murder mystery and being a little bit darker. And I was on Twitter, and I'm like, is anyone on Twitter talking about this? 
And that's how I that's how I met Brothers Comics, and we had this huge conversation, and he decided he wanted to do a podcast and invited <laughs> Seth Skeskely and myself to join him in it. And it's just been a great ride. It's been a great ride. So. Yeah, I've been listening. It's fun. It definitely is fun to talk about it with fellow um, Archie Dites or whatever we want to call ourselves. Because <laughs> I don't know any in real life. Riverdalians, really? I like that. I do. Oh, that's so sad. You don't know anybody who reads art. My kids, just my kids. And it's because of, you know, I talk about it with my son. Yeah, I talk about it with my kids. My oldest son watches Riverdale. My middle son does not. He, just because he goes to bed too early. But um, he will, like, walk through and hear me talking about it. And he's like, murder? Archie doesn't do murder. Archie's about fun and laughs. See, like, what are you talking about, Mom? I'm like, I didn't make the show. I didn't make a show. I'm not responsible. I know he's supposed to be about milkshakes. I know. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, he's not. In the episode with Chuck Clayton, the first one, (gasps) OMG, he caught, like, three minutes and said, is that, he goes, is that Chuck? That's not how Chuck is. He was so mad. I know, me too. My supervisor at work, that is the only episode that she's watched. She was like, oh, I tried to watch it, and that's the one that she saw. And Uh, she was like, I I was like, that is the worst one. Yeah. That is the absolute worst episode to just just turn it on. Oh, I was like, don't. Don't judge it by that episode, please. No. Now, that's like the least Archie-like episode. Oh, my God. I'm, st- I'm, uh, I'm still distraught about what they did to Chuck, but, you know. I know. I We were I'm talking like, last week, like, I don't think they can redeem him from that unless he, I, I don't see how they could. I don't see how they could. I don't know they did that to him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't, sometimes so I don't feel like they actually read the comics. <laughs> Like, honestly, I'm like, mm. they've dropped the ball with a couple of other character things, but that was, mm-hmm. that was actually painful. That really hurt, actually. It really did. I took it personally, and so did my, so did my children. So did my children. But, okay, we could talk all night, but we are here to talk about Chapter yes, 12, Anatomy of a Murder. So we found out who the killer is. We're not going to reveal yet. Although, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't already know who killed Jason Blossom, shame on you. But, um, (laughs) please turn this off right now. Go watch the episode and then come back and listen because we're going to spoil it eventually. (laughs) Yeah, spoiler alert. And also, this episode is rated PG 13 because if you are triggered by talks of incest or swearing, um, turn it off right now. So, (laughs) because I'm going to say a word or two. As am I. Um, so we're, we start off the episode, um, and basically we start off where the last episode ended. Um, mm-hmm. Chocolate shop. Betty, Veronica, and Archie realize that um, FP has been set up, and so basically the Scooby Gang assembles like they are the Avengers, and exactly. they are on a mission to you know, let everyone know FP has been set up. And the first thing they do is finally talk to their parents after um, 11 episodes. What did you think about the scene with all the parents gathered and like these confessions of we've been doing this, we've broken into the trailer, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, first thing first. (laughs) 
Alice. Oh, Alice. Oh, Alice. Alice has been a wild ride. When she tried to get all lively with the children. I know. And <laughs> talking about her amateur sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> and Betty was like, Mom. She was like, this was your idea. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Exactly. She's like throwing the children under the proverbial bus. I know. And Betty was like, I wasn't even there. (laughs) (laughs) You're the third amateur sleuth mom, not me. She's like kingpin. Oh, Oh my God. Betty's like, I was at home being embarrassed. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, but did we know Mary was a lawyer before that I, episode? I don't think so. I don't. I don't, I don't think they ever mentioned that. It. She just got really lawyerly during the conversation, and I was like, "Oh, okay, somebody has some common sense." And you know, she could barely deliver that line. Like she kind of flubbed the line a little bit. Like her delivery was a little bit stilted. And I was like, "Come on, Mary, um, Molly Ringwald, you are like a professional. You should be able to to deliver a line." Doing this is before any of these children were born. Come on, do better. Come on. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we have the parents are aware that they've been investigating all along. Um, I think, you know, they should be upset, and they are. But then we have the kids. They're going to continue with this whole line of questioning. They go to um, the the sheriff's station, and we learn that FP has confessed to the murder and other things along the way, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, And we kind of see Jughead. Oh, I have to talk about Jughead. I was thinking, I've been thinking about Jughead Jones a lot this week, and um, I already kind of have a thing for FP. So do you know this old song by Billy Paul? It's called Me and Mrs. Jones. Have you ever heard that song? I was thinking of me and Mr. Jones all week, (laughs) and like that song has been like playing in my head because I have a little thing for them Jones boys. I love them. Well, I mean, I am Jughead Jonesing on Twitter. You uh, are, you are. I have, I have long, long, long been a Jughead girl ever since I was very wee. Um, and uh, Skeet is kind of doing it for me. I have to say, I um, never really, honey, yeah, honey, yeah. I never really had a big thing for him in his like heyday or whatever. I guess because I didn't really like what was it scream that he was in oh yeah yeah he was mm-hmm. I, I saw that movie but i didn't really care about it so i i don't know he just didn't like really grab my attention back then but oh lord honey oh mm, i will be you don't have to sleep in archie's nasty floor anymore you don't have to sleep in the broom closet at school <laughs> Oh my God! I will make sure that there is a nice, loving home for you. I will keep your father off the bottle. Oh, there's so much. To, there's so much to unpack with the two of them. So well, the first time we see Jughead, um, he's basically trying to get to Toledo to be with his mom and Jelly Bean. Oh, that conversation in the the phone booth and just the play of emotions on his face. I just thought that was a beautifully shot scene. I thought. Cole Sprouse acted his butt off. 
you saw his desperation. You saw, you saw the hurt. I just thought it was beautiful. What did you think? Oh, my gosh. He did so, but he is killing this emo jughead thing. Like, he is, <laughs> he is doing really well with that. But what I want to know is what kind of person is his mom? Mm-hmm. Your high school age son calls you and is like, I bought a bus ticket to come see you. I've already purchased it. I'm coming to see you. And you know that you've left him behind with his, like, biker gang, slacker, drunken dad. And you're like, yeah, you know what? Don't actually come. Like, what? She didn't even ask him, like, if he could afford the ticket, if he could afford to cancel the trip. She didn't ask him what was wrong, why he wanted to, like, come in the middle of the night, like, in the middle of the school year. This is not even winter break yet. She did not ask him any questions. She's just like, yeah, don't do not do that. Well, I mean, it's it seems like, well, one, we don't know if she's even aware of all of the things that have been happening in the town. I'm assuming she would be aware of the murder. I think she well, left this. I don't know when she left, maybe this summer. I can't remember. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like unclear. it's been a long time. And really they kind of they kind of alluded to the fact that um, Jughead had said in an earlier episode, mom is actually going back to school. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if we know how together his mother was in her own life. I mean, obviously together enough to leave Skeet, but Skeet, <laughs> to leave <laughs> FP, but... <laughs> I mean, she was in dysfunction for a long time, so we don't even know how functional she is as a as a parent. But um, you know, it, it just still, felt really still, hard to see her go through that. Not functional. She knows he's really not functional. She should at least go, honey. What's wrong? Why are you? You know, why are you suddenly trying to come to Toledo in the middle of the night? That's what true. Is, she should at least. That's be true. Asking. Yeah, I can't imagine my kid calling me and I say any, I can't think of any reason where I would say you can't come. Like I can't, unless she's like living with somebody and uh, doesn't have her own place, something. But still, you would find a way. You would have to find a way. But you you know, ask what's going on, bare minimum. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, that leads Jughead to not getting on that bus. He has to stick around a little bit longer, and that's when he finds out that his dad has possibly been set up. And he goes to the um, to the um, jailhouse, and they find out that FP has indeed confessed. I have questions about the confession. Mm-hmm. We, when I saw it, the the I think the clue that the writers gave us that FP um, was truly being set up and that he wasn't in fact the killer. Spoiler alert, people! It's because he admitted to um, stealing the evidence from Sheriff Keller's house when we all know that Hal did that. And so that leads me to question: How much is the rest of his confession true? What did you think about FP's confession? Um. So when he was doing, I was like, okay, so we know that he didn't do, we know he didn't at least steal the stuff. He was, I mean, he is really just ready to roll with whatever they fed him. Um, So we knew he didn't do that. I was trying to figure out how they matched ballistics on the gun that quickly. Mm -hmm. I actually looked it up because I really wanted to know. I was like, um, (laughs) is this the same? I was like, isn't this the same 
same night that you found the gun, basically, how do you even know that it's like a match um, for the gun, right? Even if it's the same caliber bullet, how do you know it's like the right gun? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they live somewhere like Vermont because of the maple syrup and the closeness to Canada and New York. So yeah. I looked it up. Um, it takes, there's only one forensic lab in the entire state of Vermont. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and for a homicide with a suspect, it takes 60 days. <laughs> oh, to process the forensic evidence. So they just reach and they just, they just possibly. making stuff up. They just making Riverdale stuff up at this point. Um, but yeah, um, he was pretty convincing though. Other, I mean, like, even though we knew he was lying because we are viewers at home, mm-hmm. like, if I had been sitting in the room, I would have believed it. I would have believed it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that when he said that about stealing the evidence, I was like, why are you copying to this because we know you didn't do it? And then he talked about following Jughead and Betty and um, torching the car. True, though. I think it was because earlier in the podcast when we were talking about who did it, I think one of us said we thought that possibly either Joaquin or FP had followed Betty and Jughead that night and then set fire to the car. And so, and we knew it had to be, yeah. Well, we knew it had to be one of them because they got the jacket out of the back of the car. So we knew it had to be either FP or Joaquin because they were the only two who, you know, had exposure to Jason Blossom's letter jacket um, before the car went up in flames. And then he talked about holding Jason, the whole thing with the drugs and him just helping this kid out and giving him money in a car just for delivering drugs seemed a little bit far-fetched. And I I don't want to talk too much ahead, but that kind of seemed like that's really generous of you to know, to do that. And how do you not know who Jason Blossom is when his dad is like the most powerful person in the town? I have a lot of feelings about um, the size of Riverdale versus, like, the secrets people are able to apparently keep. And we're going to talk more about those in a little while. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, the whole story about how everything went down with Jason, it was like, oh, but, I mean, Jason did have the drugs in the car. He got them from somewhere. Yeah, so I was like, you know, I don't know exactly how all of that went down, but again, if I were sitting in the room, not as a viewer of the show, but just a citizen of Riverdale, I would have been like, sounds plausible to me, because he was just, he was really selling it. He was mm-hmm. really selling it, if you didn't already know other stuff. That's true, and like, why didn't he mention Mustang? Like, he was really taking everything on himself, because you know, later we find out from Joaquin that he was involved. We find out that Mustang was involved. But FP was literally taking it for the team, like everything. A whole team. Um, so he's the leader of the Serpents, right? I have questions. Yes. I, I, <laughs> so he's like the leader of the Serpents. So I don't know if it's maybe some kind of um, like loyalty thing, like mm-hmm. kind of leadership 
I don't know. And, oh, you know, I can, I can see I can see why he wouldn't want to like throw Joaquin under the bus. He's just a kid, but yeah. But Mustang. So thank you exactly. But I guess maybe it's like um, that whole snitches get stitches type of thing. Yeah, maybe it's like that. He's going to have to live his life out in jail, you know, with with the jailhouse gang, so he can't be giving folks up. But one of the questions I had about FP, who I have talked over and over about the fact that he's so complex that I'm just confused by how the writers are presenting him to us either he don't have any money, he's drunk, or he's a very proficient leader of a gang that's profitable, or he's the foreman of the construction site. I'm confused. But in the last episode, they're talking about him at the White Worm and how no one was ever allowed in the basement of the White Worm. And it almost felt like he's the owner of the White Worm or, you know, Cause how does he something and nobody can go. Exactly. It's like how this access, it's just confusing to me. FP is confusing. This is what I want to know about the the white worm basement. Okay, I'm I'm jumping ahead just a tiny bit, but the other Mm -hmm. person who was down there. Yes. Um, okay, so that is, that's, I got questions. (laughs) Okay, we're going to talk about that in probably, like, 15 minutes because you just, like, set my brain off. You just set my I'm, brain off. Hold honestly, on. I was sitting there looking like, wait. Okay, we can, we can, we can go through the it, episode in order. But I just, wanted to, I just wanted to let you know, I got questions. Um, anyway. I got questions, too, girl. I got a whole list. <laughs> As many questions that were answered, there were much more generated for me. Um, so we learn about the confession. Um, they have the next morning. Archie says, we need to go meet mom at the chocolate shop. Why Mary couldn't just come home to the house? I don't I know. know. I wrote that I in my notes. I was like, <laughs> why? I'm like, Jughead lives at the Andrews house. Mary is staying at the Andrews house. Archie lives at the Andrews house. Why did they have to get up out of bed and go meet this woman to talk about this in public? Wouldn't it be a better conversation to have at home? But I don't exactly. Know. Exactly. In public. It's, it makes no sense. So that's when we find out, oh, Mary's a lawyer. How convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has spent the night, the entire night, talking to FP which is another crazy thing. And she says he hasn't changed the story. That's, she's the one who reveals the fact that FP used Joaquin as his one phone call, which kind of um, had the, the Scooby-Doo gang um, on his trail. But the one thing that she does do is encourages Jughead to go see his dad at j- in the jail. And I didn't know you could just walk into the actual cell um, outside I mean, the cell and knew? just converse. And just converse with people. Who knew? But um, within their interaction, Jughead comes to the belief that my dad is lying because I know my dad. And that leads them on to Joaquin. So give me your thoughts on Joaquin. And he, I'm not going to say anything. Just give me your thoughts on Joaquin and all of these interactions with the Scooby gang. So I remember, like, when he was first introduced um, 
well, when he was first revealed to have, like, dealing mm-hmm. with SP, because when he's first introduced, he's just some guy at the drive-in. Um, when he's first shown to have, like, dealings with SP, you know, everybody had to kind of wonder, like, how sincere his relationship with Kevin was. Mm-hmm. And it made sense to wonder some other stuff about his relationship with Kevin. Like, <laughs> it, did he just, like, happen to magically be, like, a gay teen in the gang who was just happened to be, like, the sheriff's son's type? Or was he, like, a, just confusion? Um, the gang kind of adopted him pretty easily, though, didn't they? I think so. I think they that he got adopted via Kevin. But you know, I really, really easy considering that everybody knows who the serpents are, and they don't seem to have much dealing with them. Did and they? I, I mean, did they, they know Joaquin was? A, I guess they did know Joaquin was a serpent. They a jacket all the time. <laughs> He you know what? Serpent's jacket, like all the time. <laughs> you like, know, I just let her miss jacket. <laughs> I never even because I know, like when they first met at the drive-through after they made out, he kind of told Kevin that he was a serpent by showing him a tattoo, like it was not like a secret or because haven't they been going to school together? Is I mean, how many schools are there in Riverdale? Again, Riverdale, how big are you? Uh, it's like, is there one high, there's more each than other. one high school. There's more than is one there? high school because they have is they there? have a rivalry with the Baxter or whoever. Honey, I grew up in a place that had a county high school. Oh. It was not even a high school in the town. It was a county high school. And we had rival teams, too. They were just from neighboring counties. In town. So that is a good point. This show, I need like a diagram and some kind of like flow chart timeline, honey. Please, they don't care about no timeline. One week it's snowing, the next week it's it's fall. Okay, that was also in my notes. Do these people have winter clothing? Because it has been full on snowing for like three or four episodes, and everybody is dressing <laughs> like it is fall in Atlanta, and I don't get it. I know Betty had on that like that sheer white shirt. I'm like, girl, it has got to be cold. Cheryl was running around with mini skirts on it. I mean, like every episode, Cheryl and Valerie's had mini skirts. I'm like, please, please, please cover. They did have on tights. They had on some tights now. Okay, I live in Philadelphia right now, and um, tights don't quite cut it when it's actually snowing for me listen I have to tell you about I can remember being a teenager in upstate New York which snows like a thousand feet in winter and I regularly wore shorts to school in the dead of winter I regularly wore like no socks no nothing all winter long because I'm a teenager private conversation about this no not me I'm like ooh, can I have all my 
four sweatshirts. When I was in Atlanta in the middle of winter, I was like, can I have on, like, four sweatshirts and three sweaters? And can I bring a sweatshirt to the class? I was colder in the south than I was up north. That is true. The cold, the cold in, like, Georgia is just wet to your bones type of a cold. It's so different. Like, cold in Florida, like, weather here where I'm, like, taking off my coat and putting on a light hoodie in Florida, I was, like, dying. Actually dying. dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I live degrees. Somebody just put me out of my misery. Because, maybe it's because you're just not used to it, like, the ju- I don't know. juxtaposition in it. I don't know, girl, but we ain't here to talk about no damn weather. We're really not, but... <laughs> <laughs> But these people, like, we, we do need some more information about Riverdale to really make this show actually work for us. Or maybe that's why we don't get it, because if we did get more information about Riverdale, the show would stop working. And, like, I was talking to Scott Scully, I was talking to Scully a few weeks ago about um, following the Riverdale hashtag one night and saying that how many people are just enjoying the show. They're just enjoying the show. <laughs> and I can't. I just, I know it's like I can't just sit and enjoy the show because I have questions. I just have so, so many questions that it won't allow me to just sit and just like viscerally enjoy the show. The last, this last week's episode, I did just sit and viscerally enjoy it because I was just so excited about the reveal. So I could just, and but now here I am questioning. <laughs> On the second watch, all of a sudden you start going, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we talked about, okay, Jughead knows that um, his dad is innocent. We find Joaquin. Joaquin just starts spilling the tea. Kevin kills oh my God. me. <laughs> Kevin kills me when he says, I'm not talking to you as your boyfriend. I'm talking to you as the sheriff's son. It's like, honey, I clutched everything. I was like, stop, sis, stop. What are you doing? Oh, I was like, and he really said that like that was menacing as fuck. Like, no, Kevin, I'm sorry. I would have laughed right in his face. I know. And then he's like, I don't even know you at all. I'm like, no, no, girl. you don't. You met him. <laughs> you met him behind the concession stand in the drive-thru. I know. He I mean, like, doesn't even go to school with you. <laughs> he's dragging him to Jughead's birthday party. He's dragging him to the homecoming dance. He's the one pushing this relationship, honey, please. Like 152%. And Joaquin is like, I guess so. I mean, you can touch it. It's like Joaquin doesn't even barely talk to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> like at the birthday party when they were kissing. <laughs> and Joaquin had that straight mouth. No, no. Oh <laughs> That's the questions that I had. I'm like, you don't really seem into this baby. Like, he doesn't. <laughs> Even when he was getting on the bus at the end, and he goes, "I'll miss you, Preppy." He's like, I don't really think you will are. You? <laughs> will you miss him? Oh, did you notice where the bus was going? Did you notice the destination on that old timey ass bus that nobody actually has? No, I was assuming he took Jughead's ticket, but where where did it say the bus was going? San Junipero. I don't know where that is. Like the Black Mirror episode that everybody was talking about. Uh, With see, the lesbian. I have, I have, oh, 
I have to confess, I have not gotten into Black Mirror. Oh my I feel God, bad about. It. I know. I feel bad about. Well, it. I feel like my nerd, my nerd card is going to get revoked. It will. Oh, see, you're supposed to make me feel better. No, I'm not going to do it. I've been watching that show for a while, and I need you to get on it too. Okay, fine. It's, you it's never really watched. You never watched that show with Tom Hardy this summer. I told you to watch that one. Um, Taboo. <laughs> Taboo. It was so I watched good. a few episodes, but then I got lost. I couldn't remember where I left off. Um, and you need a really you need a you need an infographic for that show too. But that <laughs> is not what we're. Here it's really not not this time. <laughs> but but okay. So first, Joaquin tells them about Mustang. So first, he tells them about going to the White Worm to help um, FP clean up Jason Blossom's body. Why the hell would FP call a teenager? A teenager. Oh, my God. For real. I'm like, if Mustang already knows this boy is down here, mm-hmm. could you not get the other person who are, instead of bringing a third person into it <laughs> with maybe the whole was, life ahead of them? <laughs> maybe he was thinking it's someone he could really, like, um, pressure into doing exactly what he said and maybe he couldn't with Mustang. Maybe Mustang's loyalties were compromised uh, by no, the other person. Then who? Yeah, by the other person, because I was getting ready to ask, well, who brought Mustang down there in the first place? But you're right, the other person could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still seems to me like it's just a better idea to leave it two instead of three when you have all this mm-hmm. going on, or three instead of four, as the case may be, when yeah. you have all this going on. But I don't, I don't think know. the other guy knew that, that, probably knew that Joaquin was even involved in getting rid of that body. I can no. assume he didn't know. No, I'm, I'm sure he didn't, but it just seems like you want the fewest number of people to know that this happened. If and I was a I murderer, I would. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but... I guess what you're saying about having somebody that you can trust makes a little more sense when you realize that. Um, I didn't say trust. I said well, I mean, have control you over. Pressure. Yeah, okay, you're right. That's that it is what you said. But I guess it makes a little more sense when you factor in that that was basically his go-to because you don't mm-hmm. really meet anybody else from the serpents throughout this no. thing. FP point person is like 16, 17. Yeah. <laughs> Like you got a murder going on. I know. It's the only people you're talking to about it are like doing trig homework in between these conversations. No sense. Makes no sense. So they go to Mustang's hotel. Veronica's leading the way in her twelve inch heels and um cocktail dress to (laughs) to confront Mustang. To confront Mustang, who's already beat up Archie once, oh, just just the four of them, three of them, however many children it was, and they find Mustang um, in the bathtub of an apparent overdose. Do we think it was an overdose? The, ooh, mm. That's an excellent question. That is a, a really excellent question. That is one of the questions that we actually need to have answered either in the next episode or mm-hmm. something. Because by season two, I hope we're forgetting about that. 
I feel like this. I feel like this Jason Blossom murder um, fallout is going to possibly continue into um, next season because when when we get to lingering questions, there's just so much that could could continue to go on with this. Um, I could see it being lingering, lingering on down the line a little bit. Kind of like, yes, I kind of want them to have just something different going on next. But I mean, whether they will or not is something else. But that's what I well, they don't seem to do anything we want. Um, so they (laughs) they find Mustang. The parents come again. Um, Hermione Lodge. We haven't talked about her. Hermione is in a grip of panic most of the episode. That bitch is ready to go. I mean, even in the conversation with the parents earlier, when they were like, no, he's being set up, man. Hermione was ready to dip yep. immediately. She was up there. She was doing everything except for packing Veronica's suitcase for her. Like, bitch, let's go. <laughs> much is too hot let's go let's go let's go did you catch veronica saving her mom when kevin when um sheriff keller says hermione lodge why are your initials on this bag and veronica's like it's hiram lodge boo excuse me excuse me (laughs) there are two hls in my household okay thank you I know, it's like, Please leave I my felt, mama out of this immediately. I felt like this episode, more than any other, Veronica was parenting Hermione the entire yes, episode. Was isn't didn't didn't Hermione break down in tears in this episode? And Veronica's mm-hmm. not gonna like hold her. Mm-hmm. Like, ma'am, madam, get it together. She can't. <laughs> she really can't. She's a, she's definitely not a Hiram Lodge. She doesn't know how to be bad. She doesn't know yeah. how to, to how to do this well. She, Veronica, she, on the like other the hand, if she tried to, she's not running anything. Mm-mm. She she doesn't have the um the nerve for it. She didn't have that killer instinct type thing. She's just oh, she is she she, 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 is yeah, she was shook. She was so shook. I mean, she almost she broke that door. We are going to jail. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> she don't even know what's really happening, and she's just convinced. <laughs> but then at the end, she's like, it's all going to be okay. Your dad's getting out of jail. I'm like, don't you just remember how mad it's you six were hours a few ago. episodes ago? You were no, done with a him? few hours ago. A few hours ago, you were terrified this man was the killer. <laughs> I know. And that your whole lifestyle was going to come crumbling down even further than before. Well, he's out. Okay, so first we get Mustang, he's dead. That's a big deal. The one scene with Fred and Archie in the car, in the um, truck when um, Fred is being a dad for once and kind of going off on Archie and he says, you're going to get killed. And Archie, <laughs> Archie's cheeks turn red and like the single tear like goes down the corner of his eye. But once I kind of felt sorry for Archie. Aww. I was like having Archie feels for a moment. I wanted to like rub his back. Some little ginger sympathy. It it was over quickly. Um <laughs> Okay, so then from that we have the scene with Joaquin leaving and he tells um 
Kevin, I didn't want to say this in front of your friends, but I'll tell you this now. There's a hidden bag with an insurance policy. And so the kids find the bag. They find Jason's um, Riverdale jacket, and um, Betty puts on her Nancy Drew cap and finds a fire stick. Not a fire stick. What is it called? A flash drive. (laughs) (laughs) A flash drive. Oh, okay, so. my big question about that scene. Mm-hmm, why, mm-hmm. why? Well, I know you. I know you were thinking the same thing. Why did Archie have to put on that jacket in order for her to figure this out? I'm sure it was just the imagery they wanted to create of the redhead, the Jason Blossom, the jacket, the whole deal. Who else was gonna put it on? But, Kevin. Well, here, this is the thing, though. What she decided was what she discovered was like, oh, yeah, well, there's a hole in this jacket, but she discovered a hole in the pocket of the jacket while it was on another human being because she's just feeling him up. Mm. Like, wouldn't it, if she had put on the jacket herself and stuck her hands in the pocket, that would have been a lot more natural. True. I so guess maybe she, she just wanted just to rub it Archie for fun. <laughs> You know, she still has those feelings. You can't. You don't get over a multiple-year crush that quickly, even if you do have a boyfriend. Like, but don't still, tell my that was, just, that was just real. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, Go don't ahead, tell my husband, but if, if my ex, if my ex boy, if one of my exes like stepped in front of me today, I would still be like, oh my god, oh my god, blinking. <laughs> Real hard. Like I, I, I like pray and thank the Lord that this person lives on a different continent than me. Like there's no chance that we would ever bump into each other. Like thank you, sweet baby Jesus, that he don't live in North America. But once again, I digress. (laughs) Oh. Okay, so they find the flash drive. They stick it in. So I kind of like how they did it. They just let us watch them watch the the video and just see the reactions. And then later they show us what they saw. So before before you actually got to see it, who did you think it was? Who did you think the murderer was? Because you haven't been with us the whole podcast, so we don't really know your thoughts. Who did you think it was going to be? You know, I've I've always kind of felt like it probably was a blossom. Mm-hmm. I've never really had any hard and fast theories about which one, and not necessarily why. Mm-hmm. But they they're just a shady ass bunch. Like <laughs> they really are. Everything they do is so shady, and it, it, the tradition continues in this episode. They are shady and secretive and manipulative and a little bit scary. I've I've always kind of felt like it was probably a blossom. I was willing to be wrong, but they just Mm -hmm. kind of made the most sense. Well, I have said kind of since midway that I just threw out the blossoms, and I have to admit the reason I did it was because I thought that was the most shocking people or person it could be. So, like, who would be the most shocking person? I said, it's the Blossoms. And that's yeah. kind of why I did it. And I've kind of changed from week to week which Blossom I thought it was. But speaking of the Blossoms, we skipped a major plot point, my sister. 
So um, we find that Betty's asleep at night. They hear a voice. They hear a noise. They go downstairs. It's Hal, and he is destroying the evidence that he has found or that he stole from Sheriff Keller's. And he um, makes a startling confession to basically everyone that he is um, actually a blossom. Great grandpappy was the great grandpappy blossom's brother and alice had no idea no like, no clue. this bitch has been upset she has hated the blossoms with every fiber of her being this entire series and she did not have any idea <laughs> like I'm, I'm like i wonder why why did you even hate them if you don't even know I mean, maybe she still maybe she still knew that they were responsible for her husband's grandfather's death. That that's that's Even good enough. That, she seemed to take that harder than Hal did. If you want to be really honest, like he was mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, he got killed, and Alice was like, and those bitches are gonna pay. <laughs> <laughs> she has been. <laughs> she has been like dedicated to being anti-blossom this whole time. So what I would really like to happen in season two is to find out more about the history of the parents, since they're focusing so much on the parents. Anyway, mm-hmm. I want to know how the parents interacted in high school because that seems to have also been rife with drama. Um, so maybe Penelope and Alice had a falling out as far back as high school? It seems like everybody did have a falling everybody out. Hate each other from high school, but nobody left except for the watch. <laughs> well, you know, I I had talked disgustfully about it'd be great if they did a one off throwback episode and have the kids play their parents in high school mm-hmm. and let um KJ Appa just have dark hair and stop <laughs> dyeing his hair red because honey, it ain't working. Um but he does get those so, big black bushy eyebrows that Archie has. Well, sometimes they, like, the first few episodes they were dyeing them, and then they kind of changed their mind, and some weeks they're darker. They're confused. But back back to the Coopers and the Blossoms. So Hal says, you know, reveals that they're actually Blossoms. Alice actually held her ish together better than I thought she would, but I think that in that moment, they just reconciled their marriage because she basically said, so that's why you offered her the abortion is because yeah. of the incest and the, the blood folks. relations. Because they kill folks. Polly and Jason are related. And mm-hmm. so, so I got they, a lot of questions. Well, so they decide <laughs> to go to the Blossoms and snatch their baby up. First right decision <laughs> they have made. As parents, so they decide to go in and snatch them up, and they are trying to confront the Blossoms by saying, you um, didn't want them to be together, you're okay with this incest, and then Penelope says the most disgusting thing. She says, why would we be upset? Those babies are purely Blossom. Honey, what? I almost fell off the couch when she said that. What? So are we supposed to assume that Penelope knew and Alice didn't? Because she was way calm about this reveal. 
Like, so we know Clifford knows. We know Hal knows. Um, obviously, Betty and Cheryl were shocked to find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alice was shocked, but Penelope seems awfully okay. Here's the thing about Penelope. I've said I said this successfully. I said I think Penelope and Clifford have the healthiest marriage and that they are of one mind about a lot of things as opposed to like an Alice and a Hal or a Fred and a Mary. Those two are together in shenanigans, whatever well, it is. Well, Except for the, up until, the ultimate. Well, up until that yeah, one, up but until. up until that time, they were, I think, you know, we're going to get to this this other part, but the other thing that Clifford says during that scene is, don't, what did he, how did he put it? He said something about, don't, don't, are you really talking about middle class morality here oh, when they were talking yeah. about the two of them being related? <laughs> He and was I was like, like oh, fuck that noise. Oh. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you're middle class morality. And then um, Penelope kind of grabs Betty and says, you, you made a big you mistake, made a little girl. Error. Yeah. What was she talking like, about? That I'm whole confusing. conversation did not make sense. I am confusion. Like, what was she talking about? Like, what did Betty, specifically Betty, do? That was a grave error for her to say that to her instead of to the Cooper family at large. Maybe it was the whole, maybe it had to do with first her taking Polly, and two, we didn't talk about this wonderful scene in the cafeteria when Jughead Jones <laughs> walks into the middle of the cafeteria Looking sexy as blank. And basically just walks up to Cheryl and, you know, he knew what was going to happen and apologizes for his dad, basically, and Cheryl loses it. And then she and Betty have this interaction in the bathroom about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and they kind of have this conversation. So from that conversation, you see Cheryl kind of, waking up or being brave with her parents because she had kind of this confrontation with her mom, remember, about what happened. Yeah, in front of the fireplace, what happened the day that JJ died? Was he running from dad? And then she goes, was he running from you? Which I thought was very brave of her to kind of straight out ask her mother, were you involved with Jason's death? She had a little Betty in her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so what confused me about that was when she asked her mother that, Penelope takes her out to the barn. Mm-hmm. And what did she say that she's, ugh, that corny maple syrup bullshit, she was like, uh, this is the truth, or the whole sweet, sticky, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the end, you can see that there's something else going on in the barn, but you don't see it in that scene. So are we supposed to think that Penelope doesn't actually know what we find out at the end of the episode? At that I point, think like, she, what I think she, she does indicating? Know. I think she does know, and I think at after that last scene, that scene made more sense to me that maybe she wasn't ready to tell Cheryl all of the truth, 
But that was evidence to me that they've been in that part of it together this whole time, um, which which is that was reiterating. Not informational for Cheryl. That was not informational for Cheryl. No. At least what we saw, unless we're supposed to expect that something else happened after it cut away. No, I'm sure Cheryl was confused, like, Mommy has lost it. Let me go find Nana Rose in the attic and go talk to her. She makes more sense in her mm-hmm. high-back wicker wheelchair. <laughs> I know. So we had a long conversation about genetics. And mm-hmm. we talked about if Hal was a blossom, how come he's not a redhead and his kids aren't? And we were talking about the genetics of recessive genes and all this jazz. And um, one of the – so I did some research on genetics. Okay. You did research on ballistics. I did some research <laughs> on genetics. So basically, oh God, no. <laughs> so basically, if you are a redhead, you have two recessive genes for having red hair. And if you marry a person who has one recessive gene for red hair, you have a, um, I think, a 50 uh, – 50-50 chance of having a baby, a kid with red hair. If you don't have red hair, but you have a recessive gene for red hair and you marry someone else with a recessive gene for red hair, you have a one in four chance of having a child with red hair. The only way it's guaranteed is if you marry another redhead, like 100% of your kids will have red hair as well. And I said to you um, when we were DMing, I said, do you think that's why Clifford married one of the reasons he was attracted to Penelope is because she had the red hair and that could keep kind of like that blossom red hair trend going with their kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with, with, Hal, with Hal's great-grandpappy, he could have definitely – they shooed all the redheads because they could be related or he didn't he wanted people to forget he was a blossom. Uh how okay. Uh okay, so many things. Oh my god. Okay. Yes, I definitely think that Penelope being redheaded was a big reason why she got to become a blossom. But what you just said about people forgetting that uh grandpappy, uh that bothers me so much. <laughs> <laughs> If nobody can tell from my reactions to it every time. Um, do we really think that you can, because Riverdale is supposed to be small, remember? Mm-hmm. Do we honestly think that literally everybody will forget that the Coopers used to be Blossoms in like three generations? Let me tell you the Literally truth. everybody forgets. Everybody I think, forgets. I don't think forget. I think their current generation, if they were young enough before they had children that this murder occurred, and if Clifford Blossom was really, or the Blossom family was really that powerful, and as they were employing a large amount of the time with the maple syrup factory or whatever, that if your boss says, that's no longer my brother, he's not my family anymore and I don't want to hear about it and I'm employing you at that time. Like that would be like the early 1900s. I could, I could see people respecting that. And especially if the other Blossom brother, he's dead. So obviously he had to have at least one kid to keep their line going. Right. You know, 
<laughs> exactly. So if that mother just never told her child, not knowing how old they were, that you you know we're Coopers or whatever, and no one talks about it. But I mean, the kid it. has to know because Hal knows. The kid, maybe it's like a family thing, but not everybody in the town is talking about it because. Like, I mean, I can understand everybody not talking about it, but it seems to me that there ought to, well, I mean, I don't know. That just seems really, like, being from a small town, it just seems really um, implausible that people as prominent as the Blossoms can honestly get everybody to forget so that Jason and Polly can end up together. Because, I mean, people knew that Jason and Polly were together. Mm-hmm. So who, I mean, I don't know if it was just the two brothers, if they didn't have a large extended family and it was just the two of them and whoever the dead brother's wife, you know, either remarried or I don't know, or just changed her name to Cooper. I'm not just so famous in town is what makes it seem like it's not. You know, I'm sure that's, oh, that's, go, that's the thing I'm that sure gives me go pause. Back. You that's know who I bet pause. knows. You know who I bet knows. <laughs> you know <laughs> who I'm going to say. Pop. Pop was sitting there watching them drink milkshakes together like, ooh, you're nasty. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, you know this going to happen in a black family. <laughs> Pop was like, Mayor McCoy is my cousin and you don't see me sniffing around her. <laughs> The Tate and the McCoys stay far, far away from each other, and for good reason. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! I have to say, I have to say one thing that um, Skessily sent me a note about regarding the Coopers and the Blossoms. She made the point um, that Coopers are um, barrel—that's the occupation of the barrel makers <laughs> for the yeah. maple. So I'm like, that—that that was really cute. That was really. Interesting that, that the um that they made that connection that the writers made well she made the connection but I don't know if the writers did that on purpose or the, right. the original the original Archie comic writers made that I don't know whatever well but well because I'm I'm pretty sure that because Cheryl Blossom is a relatively new character I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that all that wasn't involved in the naming but That's the writers. True. The writers making the families related, they could have been like, ooh, you know what would be a good Easter egg? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure that was just, you know, Skessily in her occupation um, is, just, she's just one of the smartest women I know. I should tell her that to her um, her pseudo face since I've never seen her in my life, but I need to tell her. It's like, you're one of the smartest people I know. But um, so one of the things. One of the things with Cheryl, um, Cecily made this connection between Cheryl's brooches. And if you notice yes, throughout the Carrie. episode, she ha- well, she had on her spider brooch she did. this week. And as the episode progressed, that spider got bigger. And at first it was like right up around her neck and it was small. And then with the episode, the um, scene with her mom, it was bigger. It was her bigger um, spider brooch. And then the culminating scene, it was the big brooch, and it was, like, down, like, down, like, right in your face. So um, <laughs> let's just get to it. So they watched the video of the murder, and Betty, who is the only one with sense at this point, gets up and makes a phone call. 
and she is, we don't know who she's calling at first. And then there is the voiceover with Jughead, and he walks us through the tape. And we see that, lo and behold, the person who murdered Jason is, lo and behold, Clifford Blossom, and that Betty had called Cheryl to warn her. Um, When I saw that, I DM'd you that night, but I had to go Samuel L. Jackson and say, motherfuckers, we got it right. I have never been more excited for a reveal. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was like, this was predicted. <laughs> I didn't at nobody, but I was like, this was predicted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I did it because I didn't watch it live. I had to work that night, and so I got home, like, in the middle. I was so upset because I actually was going to follow the hashtag. But, girl, I have to say, when we saw the tape, we see um, Clifford take the ring out of Jason's pocket, and I remember saying last week, Um, when Cheryl says to him, did it really happen that way with you getting the ring back? And he said it happened exactly like that. And I said, that means he's lying. Of course. (laughs) Like when you say that specifically, that's because you're specifically lying about something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we get um, to see Clifford murder Jason, which was just so cold-blooded. And then we see... um, Cheryl on the phone call and can I say that her acting in that scene when she just opened her eyes and those tears fell down I was oh like, my god wasn't that beautiful it was it was so gorgeous okay but I have a question okay ask when it. that happened mm-hmm. was I the only person who thought somebody that the camera was going to pull back and somebody was going to be standing in the room with her, perhaps with a gun pointed at her. That would have been good because, because the way she was talking, it was kind of like that. I don't want the person standing in the room with me to know that you just told me they're a killer. You're absolutely exactly. right. That's the way right. I like. I was convinced. She was like, yes, I understand. I was convinced that the camera was going to pull back and she was going to be hostage. Like, I, I think, was so surprised that she was in the room by herself, and then she just, like, walked downstairs, and her parents are eating dinner without her. <laughs> I did wonder why she wasn't at dinner. Um, but yeah, I definitely. think that was Cheryl being Cheryl. We talked about last week about the desperation of Cheryl. Um, she's lost all her friends, just, mm-hmm. like, all of all of this stuff. She's really alone um, she's been betrayed again, and that was like to me the straw that broke the camel's back with her. And when she walked into the dining room and stood next to her mother, mm-hmm. and turned to her father, and said, "Daddy, you've done a bad thing," and the whole world knows. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yes." And he stopped eating, like, what? Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was, she did it. She did a great job with that scene, though. I was like, I don't normally feel things for Cheryl, mm-hmm. except for like 
anger at her lipstick. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, yeah. But I, I felt really, really bad for her when mm-hmm. she got Betty's call because you could just see that, like, she wanted so badly to believe in her family. She really yeah. did. Yeah. But um, so we have the kind of the final scene. Um, Sheriff Keller goes to, well, not the final. We find out that FP is going to stay his tail in jail because he's <laughs> confessed to so much. They got enough char- other charges they can put on him, so he's going to be in jail. Did Sheriff and Keller then, seem a little excited to be telling Jughead, like, your daddy ain't going nowhere, boo? Like, did he, he did not seem a mm-mm. He didn't he did care for wit. No, he didn't care a whit. Feel bad at all. Like, yes, I tried to arrest you. Yes, I arrested your daddy and told everybody he was a murderer, and he's not. But you know what? It's all good. Like, he did not feel bad at all that this young boy, his son's age, was losing his father. Like, well, he didn't I think <laughs> I think from Sheriff Keller's point of view. The dude did say he was running drugs, and he is a notorious gang leader. So I could see why he would still be, you know, a quote unquote happy to get him off the street. A little compassion, though. I agree. I agree. Because he's about to come home and see his own son crying because his boyfriend gone. Mm -hmm. But anyway, anywho. So (laughs) anyway. My, one of my favorite scenes is when Sheriff Keller rolls up on Penelope and Cheryl, and they just <laughs> point to the barn. That dramatic-ass point. <laughs> but to me, I looked at Penelope's face, and I looked at Cheryl's face. Cheryl looked composed. Penelope looked shell-shocked, like mm-hmm. completely shell-shocked. And so... When that is they the get one thing they did not have going on together, they were not in sync for that. <laughs> no, so I'm sure she was in shell shock. The fact that her husband, she realizes her husband has killed her, basically her golden child, her golden boy. Like, oh, my husband. I don't even want to think about it. But um, mm-hmm. they they get to the barn, they open it up, and we see what Penelope was talking about. So Clifford Blossom is hanging. Wasn't there also a gun on the floor? I think there was also a gun on the floor. And then we see the broken, two broken bottles of maple syrup that's stuffed with drugs. Yeah, well, the um, barrels, not the bottles. The barrels. The barrels. The barrels. barrels. So presumably, like, he was standing on the barrel and kicked it out from under him? Girl, that ain't happened. I told, I said this successfully. I DM'd her. I said, you know, Cheryl and Penelope strung him up. Well, I mean, maybe it's staged to look that way. It's definitely <laughs> staged. That's why but it's going like, to go into season two. Oh, my God. But, yeah. So was there a genuine need well, I mean, I guess if somebody popped open the barrels and there was no syrup at all, that would immediately be. But I was just like, I'm trying to, maple syrup is expensive, okay? I know. It's <laughs> like, very. Maple syrup is expensive. And I'm sitting here trying to go, um, so when you deliver these drugs to somebody packed in this giant ass barrel of hundreds of dollars worth of syrup. 
hundreds. You're being very conservative, girl. Well, I yeah. guess maybe maybe well, because either. I mean it's gonna have some it's gonna have some drugs in it, so there's gonna be some volume displaced. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what are they gonna do with that syrup? Are you gonna leave these people? What? Okay. Uh, they probably still they probably still sold that syrup as a side gig as their legit gig. <laughs> But you know that was a setup. There's no way he could have hung himself and kicked over a barrel, let alone two, <laughs> and it busted open. Oh, my God. So I'm sure it's going to be covered up. But that just discloses to us that Clifford Blossom is a drug kingpin. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the questions that that led me to believe is, I think that Clifford Blossom killed Mustang because when Betty said, when she came to the house with her family to get Polly, she told Penelope, I'm never going to stop until I get to the truth or whatever. And they cut to Clifford's face and he was kind of like really listening to her. (laughs) And then we find Mustang dead with that money. So I think that was Clifford's way of trying to set up Hiram Lodge for Jason's death. Like, like Hiram. Because, yeah, go ahead. Because, that, I mean, like, that is like the worst way to do shady business is to give people expensive duffel bags full of money mm-hmm. with, like, your initials monograms on them. That's that's not that's not a good way to be sneaky and underhanded. So I would I would hope I would hope that bag was planted because I know Hiram was really paying people that way. So I mean I know I know he gave the bag to Hermione, but those were her mm-hmm. own initials, and that was his wife. So you I know, could, you could explain so that. Why would she even do that? She's so stupid. She but probably you know, didn't even wipe it for print. She probably didn't. She probably didn't. Oh, oh, and speaking of Prince, speaking of Prince, mm-hmm. that takes me back to another question about forensics in Riverdale. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. So it only took them, like, what, an hour to match the, the bullets from yeah. Jason's murder. But did they dust for fingerprints? Because I promise you, I went back and watched it again. Clifford was not wearing gloves when he fired that gun. So assuming oh. that is the actual, assuming that is the actual gun that he put in there, mm-hmm. and not a similar gun, and that they really did do the forensics and they weren't just trying to spook SP. Assuming that's the real gun, that should have Clifford's prints all over it. Oh, girl, you know he wiped that thing. Well, it wouldn't have SP's prints on it either. <laughs> so it just being in his it, house, you're right. Is just it, right, you're very right. circumstantial. Like, so y'all didn't so, do finger, y'all didn't do fingerprint testing on this gun. Y'all y'all matched well, they, the bullets. They could have been they could have been lying and trying to get a confession. You know, the cops like to do that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. my question now is, who planted the gun? Was it Mustang being hired by Clifford, or was it Clifford himself? Because we talked about last week, somebody pulled up to the trailer when. Betty, I'm sorry, when Veronica and Archie were there. And then where has the bag of money been all this time? Because FP had the money, and maybe it was just in the white worm. I don't know. But it's just, like, these are questions that don't make sense to me. I'm assuming well, I hope that all... wasn't the same money that Hermione gave him. 
I hope that wasn't. I know. Thing. I mean, it doesn't make sense because obviously FP needed that money because he's living Thank in a trailer. <laughs> but I also have to think that FP has been working for Clifford all this time in the drug business, and Clifford. I said, well, maybe Clifford is the owner of the White Worm. And that's why um, FP has such free reign and that FP is just a puppet of Clifford's for the seedy side of the business. So well, he's the been fact working for Hiram too, though. Like that's the, exactly the it. Serpents, the serpents have a lot of, they have a lot to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They're playing both sides of this. They're like, oh, y'all got money and y'all need bad things to happen. We will work exactly. for whoever. Exactly. So that, that's lots of questions. And, so that was some of it about the bag of money, Clifford as the kingpin, what's um, FP's relationship with him as far as like the underworld seediness of it all. And then um, Hiram, Hiram's coming for season two. And Skessley made the connection that it's 90% going to be Mark Consuelos. Yes. Um, which, honey, he's so fine. Um yeah. Can, so can you imagine a scene with him and FP? Oh, gosh. And you know they will have things. Because he's going to get FP out of jail. That's my prediction. He's going to get FP out of jail because FP cannot stay in jail. No, um, no he cannot. So that just leads me to believe how much does Hiram know about this drug business because Clifford had been, according to Veronica, paying him for 75, for 75 years. years. What is going back 75 years? Is this great-grandpappy rearing his ugly head? That is, that's the question that I'm hoping we're going to get season two. Maybe that's what they're going to be sleuthing about in season oh, two, Lord. trying to figure out all of this stuff. Because, honestly, we don't know a lot of things. We don't mm. know a lot of things that they kind of set up and didn't really mm-hmm. follow through with. Yes, so much. So what other questions do you have? I've said all nine. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, com- I'm confuddled. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have just some small, like, continuity questions. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know how nobody knew that Jughead's daddy was, like, the leader of a gang. Like, that nobody is- knew. That's beyond me. I, I don't get that either because he was right Most out in the open. He was right out in the open at the drive-in with the gang. He wears the, he wears the jackets. He hangs out at the White Worm. Like, I, I'm from a small town. <laughs> I'm asking these questions as somebody who knew way as like I mean as a middle schooler knew way too much about the families of people in my town. Mhm. Like how does like especially Archie. Let's be honest. Especially Archie. How do you not know your best friend's dad who is your dad's best friend? How yeah. does Honestly, Archie, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions that have to do with the size of the town. Um, but also, I want to know, um, I want to know why why is Alice Cooper allowed to basically like help Jughead and Betty 
run the newspaper for schools? She's the advisor. Mr. <laughs> Weatherby said it was okay. <laughs> but that's not how that works. I know this. That's I know not this. how they do these things. <laughs> that's not, uh, you know, um, I want to know. I want to know how long it's been since Fred originally fired FP because I need a lot of timelines about this relationship with mm-hmm. Fred, FP, Jughead. Uh, I, I need to, I need to know because some of this stuff doesn't make sense depending on when certain things happened. Yeah, you, they definitely need some. Some super fan. Hello, people who are listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you're a super fan, could you please make us a timeline and post the link to Twitter? <laughs> please, please, please. And I want to know what kind of person Jason Blossom actually is because mm. he doesn't speak. We get flashbacks. We get, like, dreams. We get other characters, like, memories of him. But we don't mm-hmm. really see who Jason Blossom is. Like, we hear the story about how he shared his birthday party with Cheryl, and that's so sweet. And Polly seems to think he was really sweet, but he was also participating in that book with Chuck. Yeah, and, yeah. And the rest of the football team, Betty and Veronica. I don't know why you had to almost kill the only black person, but, <laughs> but everybody was doing it. I don't know why you had to murder one person for your revenge, but you could have gotten everybody, but... Um, like, what kind of person was he really? Well, obviously, he didn't have it in him to be a drug kingpin. Clearly not. Because that's what he was running from, but they obviously think Cheryl could have done it. Um, I agree with you on that, and we've discussed that. Did you ever watch Veronica Mars, the series Veronica Mars? I did not. So in Veronica Mars, her first season, her best friend has been killed, and she is investigating her murder basically for the first season or first two seasons at that. But what they did is they always always gave us flashbacks of the murder girl, like talking scenes. So it made us care about her as a character, even right. though she wasn't there, and it helped us to know who she was and why she was important to so many people in that town. And what I feel about Jason Blossom is that the only people that cared that Jason Blossom was dead was Polly, Cheryl, and Penelope. Like, you don't really hear the kids going on and on about how important Jason was to them or how Jason affected their life. It was just like, they're just like, oh, man, that's really weird that a kid our age died, which is kind of weird. Yeah, you know, that's not it something is. that it happens a lot. But they don't, get, they don't really get too broken up about him. Mm-mm. No personal stories. No, I mean, it was more about the, the, the sideshow that is Cheryl that they were Honestly. responding to more than the fact yeah. that Jason was murdered. And, and replacing the only fish Archie. Yeah. And that the only got, reason, that got I way think, more discussion. I think the only reason that um, Betty even cared about it was because Polly was also missing yeah. or gone. So that, I don't think the, the writers did a very good job with Jason and making us care about him or care about who killed him. 
or even understand him because I really I don't get Jason. I really don't. I don't get him at all. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I also want to know, like, and this is just for my own personal edification. I would like to know how the Blossoms and the Coopers expected their children to continue this like blood feud without telling them they were in a blood feud. I think it was going to be over. <laughs> like, how do you expect your kids to have this deep-seated hatred for another family and y'all didn't even really tell them they were supposed to? <laughs> I know. I mean, like, they dropped the reveal. I think after, wasn't it after the funeral, Hal tells them that Clifford Blossom's grandpappy killed our grandpappy. Yeah, uh, I'm like, these kids are like, 15, 16, 17 years old. Like, if you wanted them to hate each other, you should have started a while back. Like, yeah. In the bot, like when they were in preschool, when it was Lil Betty and Lil Archie and all right. that, that's when you should have started this hatred. And meanwhile, once all this, once they, once you failed to make them hate the other family and Cheryl and Jason, I mean not Cheryl, uh, Polly and Jason did get together. Like. How I don't understand why Hal didn't just go ahead and spill the beans like a year ago. Yeah, like what's the big secret at this point? So I can understand, like the Blossoms just don't like the Coopers, but they didn't seem to be bothered by them being related to each other. But Mm -hmm. if Hal is so bothered by it, it seems like he should have been like, okay, I wasn't going to tell you this, but... You know what I'm saying? He should. Uh, you know so what much, he really so what much he really easier than sending done. your pregnant daughter to a convent. <laughs> what he really should have done is just move. True. True. Like if you hate him so much, just move. The family will live there for generations. Girl, oh, we hate please. each other, but you. Uh, you hate each other, but the family just lives there under their thumb. Well, one of my one of my last things I think um thinking about what's going to happen going on down the line is maybe something is going to come out with Clifford's will that um, maybe since Jason's gone and he's just now starting to feel good about Cheryl, maybe he's going to leave stuff to Polly's children or um I just think there's going to be something coming out with his will. I think they're going to realize that he didn't commit suicide. That's going to come up. I think Hiram coming to the to the town is going to bring even more shadiness mm-hmm. to um, FP's relationship with the underworld um, <laughs> and all that. So did you see, so they showed us scenes from next week. And yeah. we saw the briefest glimpse of the Archies. Did you notice that on the drums? I when did. I was like, and I, I kind of wonder, is this like immediately after the murder or have they jumped forward <laughs> in time? Because like there was one flash, there was snow on the ground. There was another flash, there wasn't snow. I just confused. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Um, I'm pretty excited about the Archies. Although I'm gonna be very curious, <laughs> be very curious about whether or not anybody else can play an instrument, since as far as we know, only the Pussycats and Archie do. I 
think Jughead can play the drums. I mean, but why? Who taught Jughead to play the drums? (laughs) I did make, remember when they were in the garage and FP and Archie were playing the guitar together? They said something, oh, they said Fred played the drums. That's what yeah, they so said. so like it's Fred, it's Fred tutoring Jughead in the drums after school. So I can't even like, imagine. I can't even imagine. Even when it was in the comics, it was always weird that Jughead was even involved in that. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, okay. So they're replacing Reggie, which I'm super sad about. Yeah. Um. So is Reggie gonna be in the Archies? He was, I think he was in the Archies in one of the um, comic book series, the one. Um, no, when... he usually was. He usually was. You're right. And I mean, they need to do a better job with Reggie. I mean, he was barely in it this season. So I think they could redeem him because the, the way they had him was not true to Reggie to me. Um because I really never really saw Reggie as like a big jock and all of that, the way they had him this season. And while Reggie and Archie are rivals, Reggie didn't bully uh, Archie or bully Jughead. I mean, he was a jerk sometimes, but he wasn't Thanks, like the person he they just had. Like exactly. He would try to pull pranks and embarrass them, but he wasn't like trying to push they weren't, them down in the dirt. <laughs> they weren't fighting and giving each other black eyes and junk. So I hope they do more with Reggie um, for season two. I kind of don't care if I don't see the Pussycat season two. Um, I don't know. I was they just, said they're I like it more. I like Valerie. She's my fave. Um, so we'll see what happens. They said the Pussycats are going to be in season two more. I like the Pussycats. I would love, love, love it. If somebody would, like, give Melody a line, that would be awesome. Mm. <laughs> I would really appreciate that. If you're going to have them, give them a line. Like, I know. I don't know how much she's getting She's supposed to. She learned how to play that The actress learned how to play the drums for this role, and they won't even let her talk. I know. She. I saw her tweeting about how hard, like the one of the episodes. I think the episode of the talent show. Yeah. She was talking about how hard she worked to learn the drums for that, and it's like even the episode when they had F or um, Jughead's birthday party, and Valerie and Archie kind of had that altercation, and she walks up. They don't even let her say, "Come on, let's get out of here." Val. <laughs> like nothing. Nothing. She has said, like, two things in this whole series. Like, she said, what is up with you, Jay, or whatever, when Valerie and yeah. Jay were fighting? Yeah, yeah, she said um, that. It's, yeah, she, she deserves an <laughs> Emmy for that performance. And she, I think she said, like, one other thing, maybe, and I can't even remember what it was. Like, well, please let this girl, uh, this girl learn how to play the drums for you, Riverdale. Please let her talk. Give her a personality. Give her like half a plot. Like well, I hope they do. They do more with the second season. I really enjoyed Ethel. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed her a lot. (laughs) Um, I liked Ethel, but she wasn't Ethel for me. 
I don't know I think what it's... other character I think that that could have been. Mm-hmm. But she just wasn't very Ethel for me. I think it's hard to translate the Ethel from the comic books to real life because she's such a, like, I don't know where you would find an actress to be able to play her. I mean, like, <laughs> even appearance-wise, I don't mind that they change that. That's fine. But, like, her, like, I just didn't see Ethel, like, even in her actions. Because, really, Ethel, they, Ethel doesn't have a lot of personality. She's just a really sweet, nice girl who puts up with a lot, right? And mm-hmm. she's crazy about Jughead, and that's basically it. So, like, she the only like she brought Jughead his hamburger cake. Mm-hmm. She was holding it right. Betty was singing, but she and Jughead Ethel was had an interaction, right? No, Betty, when they when she was singing, no, Betty was holding it. But Oh, no, um, no, 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 no. I know what I'm thinking about. She tried to give him a piece of the cake, right? She did in the kitchen. Okay, like and that they was had this, it. Yeah, I li- and that was like my favorite interaction. That <laughs> I mean, that was great, but I'm just like, um, I, I wish they'd, I mean, just like a, a look, you know, like, oh, who's this? Who's this guy? I would have liked that. Mm. Well, the other thing they are alluding to is that Archie's going to leave for the summer, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sad about. And um, this whole continuation of Archie and Veronica as a couple, they showed us them holding hands underneath the table. Yes, they I were sitting it. as close as you possibly could on that couch. And I'm, I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, but I'm surprised, like, Veronica hasn't had more guys, like, after her other than her one disastrous date with Chuck Clayton. Ugh, I'm still so bitter. That date was going fine. I don't know why you mm-hmm. did that, writers. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I would, I would like for them to do more with other guys. Because she's supposed to be pretty and popular. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't mind that it is not everything about boys with her, that she does have, like, this developing friendship with Betty and this developing friendship with Ethel and this, I don't know, maybe frenemies or whatever with Cheryl. I do appreciate that she interacts with her girls a lot and that not Mm -hmm. everything about her character is revolving around boys. You know, she has these stories with her mom and about her dad. Yeah. Um, But, I mean... The only time you've ever really just seen boys looking at her like they were interested was when she was walking down the hall with Josie and Melody. That's true. And I'm like, they I mean, they should at least appear interested, even if that's not, like, what the plot of the episode is about. I agree. You'd think, you but, think somebody would be interested. Yeah, she's from New York. She's amazing. She's a River Vixen now. She's like the captain of the River Vixens. Right. And Come I mean, on. like, I, she's like, I think Cheryl only mm, better. <laughs> and Cheryl knows it. Yeah. Cheryl um, knows it. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for season two. I'm excited to see what they do with next week's episode because it kind of wasn't even clear to me what 
the theme of that episode is. I think it's just going to be a setup for season two. So, That's the only um, thing I can imagine. So, I mean, because they really did tidily wrap up this Jason Blossom murder bow. I thought they would kind of tell us who it was, but that person wouldn't actually be caught until next episode, like the actual finale. So this is right. interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to see what their what their numbers were. I, for, I was going to look before um, tonight, but I just totally forgot. I've been working all weekend. But, um, yeah, so we have one more episode in season one of Riverdale. So I'm sure you will be watching, and I Definitely. will be watching. And we will have our um, last podcast next week. So, woo-hoo, sad, sad. Um, so on the hiatus, I think I'm going to be um, doing a podcast with Mr. Robot with a couple Ooh. ladies. So that'll be, my, that'll be my summer show. And I think I might be doing something with the um, Black Bachelorette with Brothers Comics. Do you oh, watch it? I do not. Um, the I only show <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna say something really embarrassing, so um, nobody at me about this. The only show like that that I have ever watched was Farber Takes a Wife. <laughs> oh my God, I watched that too. <laughs> I really thought the black girl was gonna win. I think he I think that like he really liked her better than the girl that won. <laughs> I watched that Farmer Takes a Wife, and the, I don't normally watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette because of the lack of diversity, and I'm only watching it because it's a black bachelorette. Right. So that's the only thing I'm here for. But anyway, 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 we need to cut this, be done for the night. I hope you guys enjoyed our synopsis and definitely at our guest because she was phenomenal. She was phenomenal. Oh, thank so you. tell them where they can find you. I am at Jughead Jonesing on Twitter. Um, and I can also be found at, um, oh, I forgot my Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Well, let's, let's just stick with Twitter. That makes the most sense. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find me at Cetaline, at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N on Twitter. And you can find Brothers Comics, and you can find Skeskily on Twitter, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever quality podcasts are sold. So um, it was so much fun. Thank you for pitch hitting for us. I had a blast. I had fun too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I hope I did not disappoint. And Skeskily, uh, you can have these shoes back next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.